Previously on Survived by One, Tom Odell contemplated his early childhood. Survived by One, The Life and Mind of a Family Mass Murderer by Robert E. Hanlon with Thomas V. Odell. Episode 2 The house I grew up in was built sometime in the 40s, maybe earlier. That's when that part of town was built. It was a basic box-style house. During the 70s, rooms were added on to try to keep up with the growing family. The basic decor was that of the 70s, multicolored carpeting and furniture. That is when everything was purchased except the living room audio-visual stuff, which was purchased in the early 80s. So the furniture was outdated, but the stereo equipment was new. The house was small for six people. It was crammed full of furniture. The living room was small but had a couch, two recliners, a TV, and a stereo. That left a room for little else. The master bedroom had a queen-sized bed, a chest of drawers, and a dresser with a mirror. There was very little room to walk around. The kitchen was overcrowded with a table that seated six people, but was made for four on a good day. The table stretched from the dining room to the kitchen, and there was barely enough room to get through the back door. The den was filled with a love seat, a huge desk, a sewing machine, an enormous bookcase stuffed with books, old tube-styled radios, and knickknacks. I shared a bedroom with my two brothers. The room was stuffed with three twin beds, a dresser, and an entertainment center. My sister's bedroom had barely anything in it. A full-size bed, a TV, a chest of drawers, and that was it. That's where my siblings hung out because of the space. We tried to move several times, but the house wouldn't sell. It was located in an elderly neighborhood where young people didn't stay for very long. Our neighborhood had lots of, sort of like, starter homes for newly married people, until they got on their feet, solidly. But my parents bought the house because it was close to my paternal grandparents, an uncle, and a cousin. They all lived a block or two from one another. I started getting into trouble a little bit during my first grade year. I was the kid who, if dared to do something, would do it regardless of the outcome. I just wanted to be liked and accepted by the kids in my school. My brother Sean was born that year, so then it was me, my sister Robin, and my brother Sean. I was put in charge of taking care of him for the most part. When I came home from school, it became my job to feed him, change his diapers, and everything else he needed because she hated him so much. I used to hate it, and I'd always wonder why she wouldn't do it, as it was her baby and her job, not mine. She took care of my sister, so why not Sean also? I never spoke to my mom when I was little because I was always scared of her. If Sean cried for any reason, I'd get whipped because I was not to let him bother her. Nor was I to bother her. I bathed Sean. I did everything a parent is supposed to do, and I did it when I was six years old. I know it wasn't his fault that he was born, but at that time, I blamed Sean for that. 
I hated him just like my mother did. Sean Odell was born on October 7, 1972. Fourteen years later, during the sentencing phase of Tom's murder trial, the Odell's next-door neighbor, Maurice Yergin, testified that Carolyn Odell told his wife, When she was carrying Sean, she hated him, and she hated him from then on. After he was born, she hated him. She encouraged all the kids to hate him. None of the kids liked him. He also told the court that Tom was commonly left in charge of the other children, and that Carolyn told him that Her doctor told her she had nerves. She could go out every night, and it'd be good for her. She should leave Tommy to babysit with the kids. It would be good for him. He also stated that Tom was particularly rough with Sean, and he was often mean to him. However, he added that all members of the family were mean to Sean. When her children were younger, Carolyn was content to stay at home. Robin, in Carolyn's view, was a good girl, and Carolyn loved spending time with her daughter. Tom, on the other hand, was too smart for his own good, and just as stubborn and strong-willed as Carolyn was. Tom knew how to push her buttons, and she resented him for it. She had punished him many times, and yet he continued to misbehave, talk back, and violate the rules of the house. Then, Sean came along. She viewed him as little more than a nuisance and didn't want to be bothered with his needs. Tom was available to take care of Sean and would see to Sean's needs whether Tom liked it or not. Why shouldn't a mother expect her oldest child to assist her in caring for the younger children? So, as Tom grew older, Carolyn assigned him increasing responsibilities with regard to other children. After all, by the time he was nine or ten, she felt he was capable of babysitting the younger kids. Family dynamics are crucial to understanding the motives behind acts of familicide. After the birth of his sister, Tom's relationship with his mother changed significantly. Robin's need for maternal care and Carolyn's desire to nurture her daughter while providing less attention to Tom fostered a growing sense of rejection and isolation in the boy. As he grew older, his conflicted relationship with his mother worsened. He sought attention by rebellious acts of defiance and aggression. He was frequently in fights with other boys at school. As a result, teachers often called Carolyn to inform her of the fights and elicit her assistance in managing Tom's behavior. Margie Long and Sid Milliner, teachers at Horace Mann Elementary School in Mount Vernon, recalled that Carolyn would adamantly defend Tom and insist that he should not be held responsible for such behavior because he was merely protecting himself and simply reacting to the frequent bullying by the other boys. I was still making the average grades, nothing outstanding. The teachers would tell my parents that I needed to apply myself. I studied very little and easily made a C average. I couldn't please my parents when it came to my grades. My dad didn't say very much, just that he knew I could do better. But my mother would say I was stupid if I got a B. If I made straight A's, then she would say that I should be getting A's all the time. So I would get whipped for making less than straight A's, and I'd get whipped for making straight A's. It didn't matter what grades I made because I was going to get whipped either way. I hated report card day. I also started hating school, but I was too scared not to go. I was allowed to start walking home from school at about that time because we only lived about five blocks from the school. If I was a minute late, 
I'd get the third degree about where I had been and what took me so long to get home. I was not allowed to participate in any activities after school, so I was still isolated from my classmates. I wanted to fit in, but I never did. You know in school when everybody gets their picture taken and then they exchange pictures? I was never asked to exchange pictures with anybody. When my mom would give me pictures to take to school, I ended up throwing them away because nobody asked me and I was too ashamed to tell anyone. My summers were always the same, playing by myself and being told to stay out of the house and leave her alone. Sometimes she would lock me out of the house, but when Sean would cry, she would let me in to take care of him. Otherwise, I would be kicked back outside to play alone each and every day of the summer. Sometimes I'd play with the girl next door, but not too often. My dad didn't really approve. But sometimes my mom would come out and tell her degrading things about me, right in front of me. Call me names and say how stupid I was. What could I say? I was nothing to her. Every time I did something wrong, I was told how much she hated ever having me and that she wished she had never had me. She would say that she wished I would die and be gone from her because I wasn't wanted. All my life I heard that from her, ever since I could remember. According to her, I was a failure as a son. I was stupid. She would say, why don't you die? Please run away so I won't have to deal with you. I heard these things from the time I was in grade school until I was a teenager. I never felt love from that woman at all. We were at a church Christmas party and I had to get up with the choir to sing carols. When it was over, I got whipped because she said I looked stupid up there and wasn't singing right. She always embarrassed me by whipping me in front of everybody. My dad would never stop her or tell her to wait or nothing. He said nothing at all. I always used to look for my dad to say something to her about it, but he never did. Second grade was much the same as first grade. I always liked gym because it forced team participation and I couldn't be ignored. Otherwise, I always felt ignored by everyone. My sister continued to get all of the attention from my mother. We had added a new addition to the house, so Sean and I had to share a room while my sister got her own room. The only thing I ever had for enjoyment was jigsaw puzzles, books, and I used to draw a lot. When I'd no longer cry when I was whipped, I would not only get whipped, but I would lose something that meant something to me. I would lose my jigsaw puzzle, or my drawing stuff, or my books. During the second grade, I had my first girlfriend, and I had my first kiss then. But when she gave me a ring, my mom told me that I had to give it back and that I couldn't be her boyfriend, so I gave it back to her. Then later on that day, this other guy had it on his finger, and he shoved it in my face to show me that he was now her boyfriend. Maybe she was right to make me give it back, but what harm could it have caused a ring from a girl in the second grade? When I was about to go into the third grade, my mom started taking me to this new church by her house. It was a Baptist church, and I really liked it there. I'd never really been to church before. 
I was baptized then, and I started reading the Bible. I was also involved in a youth group. I was having a good time. It was something new and a place where everyone accepted everyone else. There was a niceness, and I guess what one would call love there at that church. Plus, the pastor lived up the street from us at the time. I was still taking care of my brother Sean, which had become second nature to me by then. Also, my sister started hanging around me more at that time, and my mom would actually tell my sister not to hang around me because I was a bad influence. In the third grade, I remember my teacher because I used to think she was the prettiest teacher ever. Brunette hair, green eyes. I used to love to go to school then. My mom knew her dad because he was a doctor where my mom went for her prenatal care. I remember school being fun then. And things seemed better at home, too. I wonder if it had to do with church. Or was it because I was growing up? My sister was growing up, and we were hanging out more, so I wasn't alone anymore. I even had a friend in school that year by the name of Stan. He was my first real friend. We would go to each other's home, and I finally felt the grip lessening from my mom, because I had a friend who would come over, and I would go over there. I had even joined a Cub Scout unit through the church. I worked hard and earned a lot of the Cub Scout awards. Stan was also a part of the Cub Scout unit. We remained friends most of the year, but it ended when we got into a fist fight at school over something. I can't even recall what it was about, but I know I got in trouble at home because his parents called my parents and made my mom cry. So of course I got whipped for that. And afterwards, my mom went back to not letting anyone come over to the house, and once again, I couldn't go to anyone's house either. Every time I asked to go anywhere or have someone come over, the answer would be no. So after a while, I just stopped asking. During this stage of Tom's life, the abuse by his mother became more complex and damaging psychologically. Previously, her abusive acts primarily involved beatings, whippings, isolation, and exclusion from the home. During his pre-adolescent years, the physical abuse was accompanied and sometimes replaced by verbal abuse. In some ways, recurrent hateful verbal abuse of a child by a parent is more emotionally disturbing and psychologically damaging than physical abuse. Physical abuse tends to instill a sense of fear and insecurity. Verbal abuse, on the other hand, is a direct attack on the child's self-concept, and recurrent hostile verbal abuse by a parent involving insulting and degrading statements to a young child may be expected to have a disruptive and destructive impact on emotional development and personality formation. An early manifestation of this type of destructive impact involves aggressive acting out behaviors with other children, typically at school. The aggressive tendencies that Tom began manifesting during his early elementary school years were likely the result of several factors, including the following. Venting frustration and anger he felt toward his mother. Seeking attention from his peers and teachers. And copying the behavior of his primary role model, his mother. Like most elementary school children, Tom had teachers whom he liked and those he did not particularly like. He developed a crush on his third grade teacher because he thought she was pretty, 
but also admittedly disliked other teachers because they insisted that he behave himself, or because they demanded that he try harder with respect to his schoolwork. Unfortunately, due to his mother's parenting style, he apparently had limited opportunities for social and interpersonal experiences outside of the home or school. With few exceptions, he was generally not allowed to visit the homes of children from school, and he wasn't allowed to play with other children in his neighborhood. And his classmates were generally not allowed to visit the Odal home. Additionally, he was not allowed to spend the night at a classmate's house, and other children were not allowed to spend the night at his. In part, as a result of the forced social isolation and psychological abuse by his mother at home, Tom's behavioral problems escalated at school. I think it was about that time I started getting into a lot of fights at school because I was tired of being picked on. So instead of debating back and forth, I just fought back with my fists, like I had been doing all my life, or so it seemed. And of course, I would get in trouble at school for fighting. Back in those days, they would give you swats with the board for misbehaving, and then I would get it at home also. My parents would always ask me why I was fighting. I would tell them that they called me names, or they were talking about my mom or dad. My parents would tell me to let it go in one ear and out the other. But when you're little and tired of being picked on all the time, fighting just seems like the next step. I got suspended a few times for fighting, and if I got into a fight, I better have won, because if I hadn't, I would get whipped worse at home for losing. I didn't win them all, but I didn't lose very many. I wonder why I can't remember anything good about those times, because I know there had to be some. It couldn't have all been bad, but I can't remember anything good. Years later, Milliner shared his perception regarding Tom's aggressive tendencies and deceptiveness. Tommy was always argumentative. He always thought he was right whatever he was doing. Whenever he got in trouble, Mommy was the first one there to defend him, and it seems like she was always taking his side. He'd pick a fight with one of the kids on the playground, and the other kid wouldn't start the fight. But by the time Mommy got there, he'd say the other kid was picking on him, and it would be that way every time. Jerry Clemens, the principal of Horace Mann Elementary School, also frequently dealt with Carolyn as a result of Tom's disruptive behavior at school. It always seemed to me that she was defending Tommy to save her own face. It was well practiced on her part. I don't remember Tommy from the younger ages, but I remember his ability to look you in the eye and tell you something he knew you knew wasn't fact. Carolyn herself was about the most severe case of denial that you could possibly imagine. She put forward quite a little persona of being interested in the kids, but she was pretty manipulative herself. I think she had Robert wrapped around her finger and he really didn't see it. Never saw it coming. I think she definitely wore the pants in the family. He didn't have the slightest inkling. Couldn't fathom it, maybe. He was a hard-working, decent guy and probably well-liked on his job. I can't say that about Carolyn. I think she had one friend. When I started the fourth grade, I never got along with the teacher because I always thought she was after me. Later on, I found out she was just after me to do better because she knew I could do it. I learned everything fast, without any problem. The only time I was really happy was when I was in church with my dad or my grandparents. I'm sure my mom would do nice things for me or with me 
but I can't remember them. I remember going fishing with my parents sometimes, and that was good. I also recall us having picnics, but for the most part, we never did much as a family. My parents went on vacations by themselves and left us with our grandparents. Even when we ate dinner on Sundays, we would eat after my parents had eaten. My mom would cook a huge dinner, and my parents would eat while the food was hot. But we children always ate the food cold. And of course, I was always the kitchen help, keeping the kitchen clean, doing dishes, the floor, and table. I would get so pissed off because I felt like I was her slave or something. And I wouldn't receive any allowance like everyone else my age seemed to be getting. I also had to take out the garbage and mow the yard. I know that kids have chores to do and that is part of growing up, but in my mind, I always thought I was doing too much and that I was some sort of slave around the house. 20 years after the murder of his family, Tom Odell's recollection of his life from age 6 to about 10 reveals a dynamic within the Odell household that's typical of dysfunctional families with an abusive element. At a very young age, Tom's brother Sean became the family scapegoat. As such, he was the target of unwarranted blame and ongoing physical and mental abuse throughout his short life. The disdain that Carolyn felt toward Sean was projected to Tom, and he admittedly came to hate Sean, much as his mother had. When Tom was nine years old, his second brother Scott was born. My brother Scott was born in 1975, right after I started the fourth grade. I really didn't have any connection with Robin or Sean because they were so much younger than me. They started hanging around each other a lot, and as Sean got older, he started taking care of himself. Then Scott came along. I really thought nothing of it, but after some time passed, I realized there was something different about him. It's difficult to describe, but we were cool from the start. About the same time though, my brother Sean started doing stuff around the house that my mom would call stealing food. It was weird. He would get up in the middle of the night to get a snack and my mom would get bent out of shape about it as if someone had stolen all of her money 